Have you ever wondered why are some people capable of replicating their investment success year after year? Is there some skills or wisdom in how they manage their research and their investment? Something that maybe you can learn to increase your chances of a profitable real estate investment as well. We might be talking about investment in shop houses today, but beneath that, let's see if you can learn something about investment mindsets today. You won't hear about this wisdom anywhere else. So let's go! I want to give a special shout out to our Instagram page. If you have yet to follow us there, what are you waiting for? Follow our cute little coconut for great reminders, content snippets, and great vibes to perfume your day. We know you'll love it as we expand our ecosystem to journey with you every step along the way. So come on to the Financial Coconut Instagram page now. Tag us whenever you see some interesting stuff and help grow our community together. Link is in the description below. Welcome back to another day on the Coconut Avenue. Join us as we explore various property insights, investment strategies, and challenging property myths out there today. We'll be bringing on investors and experts in the game to share with us their insights and stories to better prepare us for our journey. Whether you're looking at your first property, you're building your bucket of gold through properties, there's something for you here. Ultimately, it's about helping you find your unique game plan. Our guest is from JMD today. JMD has built outstanding investment properties in Malaysia, Hong Kong and Singapore. They are headquartered in Singapore and their expertise focuses on major commercial properties with strong experience in the shop house sector. The company was built from scratch and today it's our great pleasure to have none other than JMD's co-founder, Jacqueline Wang, to share her wisdom about commercial properties with us. Jacqueline, you are an expert in this field of uh, properties, which is shop houses. How did you get started in the first place? Okay, so we started 12 years ago uh, into property investment. Uh, our first investment was into commercial offices and not shop houses. Uh, shop houses, we went in about seven years ago uh, when we saw that there was a gap in the market and, uh, and also that um, the shop house is very fragmented. So we wanted to went in and uh, to hold the asset for a long-term basis. Yeah. So in, in what sense is the market fragmented? Like mm. Just give us an idea, like, what do you mean by fragmentation? Mm. So in the past, the shop house um, are generally hold by, by um, the older generation uh, owners. Uh, in, in, in the past, probably they are in a rice trading or spices trading, and then they buy over the shop house <laughs> and then continue to own and to operate. Is that why there are so many shop house? <laughs> I walk past the shop, I'm like, this thing is survive. So actually, they own the thing, is it? Uh, yeah. Okay, that, that makes more sense. So, and, and back then, shop houses only cost maybe 10, 20,000 mm. than it is today. So, so when I say fragmented, meaning one owner doesn't own a majority of assets. Uh, it's helped by a lot of individual owners. Caveat, there are owners who own multiple assets, uh, such as the banks and stuff. Uh, but on the whole general scheme of things, it's helped by mainly individuals. Lah. Yeah. So why is there an opportunity here when mm. it's helped by multiple individuals? Okay. So the opportunities lies in when you hold an asset, say when you are young, you hold an asset. 
you, all you think about is income generation, okay? So whether I can rent out, I can pay my mortgage, etc. If you are a business owner who owns the asset to operate your space, then you wouldn't think so much of it, right? So it's two different kind of target market. Mm -hmm. So when you are young, you buy for investment purpose. And after you pay, finish your loan, you are sitting on the property. You have no incentive to continuously asset enhance it or generate income. So mm. then backs to the shop house. The owners have held it for say 40, 50, 60 years. They are generally very comfortable. <laughs> so if the shop house is already 50 years old, are they going to come out 3 million to redo the whole entire property mm, they mm, wouldn't right mm. uh, I mean not that all don't based but on your experience yes, most people don't yes okay. so at that point in time we saw that gap um, and a value to enhance the asset mm. to bring up to a better standard today so I am that young person now looking to buy the asset and then to extract some value out of it mm. yes. so mostly from all these older generation, is it? Yes, yes. So uh, how we started out is to look for rundown uh, shop houses. Uh, rundown meaning I ever went to a shop house, the ceiling was already dropping. <laughs> <laughs> the third floor is flooded. Oh, like movie. Yeah. yeah, and the fourth floor you cannot even access. So you so, love those type of shop houses? Eh? Yes, because you can get it at a decent price mm. and then you put in all your hard sweat and stuff to 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 bring it up to standard and then subsequently we list it out so mm. that's how we extract value out of that okay. yeah so so in that sense i think on property as an investment right there's mm. always the land value and mm. then the building's value mm. right so am i sensing that when you go into the market right you're merely mm. just matching the land value mm. When you, when you buy from them because the building is chui already mm. <laughs> there's nothing from that building anymore is that kind of why it is? yes so so basically the the process or what behind the thought about valuing that particular asset uh, we look at what is the condition whether is there even a house or even a, a, a place right if not then we look at fundamental land value and then then I would then compare What's the land value beside? Can I get a, a, a feel of it? Is it through the government land sales? A residential kind of land sales? It's land after all, right? Or commercial government land sales. And then we look back at the shop house. What is it trending? And also a couple of other factors, like, such as if I want to put in $3 million out of it, how much rent can I charge from? Mm. Uh, rental would then be at this existing state maybe it's rented at $2 because one the owner is not incentivized to do any better right to him $2 he already paid out his loan $2 is into his pocket mm. right and then I will look at the the office just opposite the office is renting at $6.50 mm. right at the same exact value of Just course, the specs is different. Mm, mm. So how much discount value do you want to give to the specs and stuff? Then if it's a really torn down building, then I would then look at the land value. Yeah. Okay. So it's a uh, it's different factor, different asset. I give it different weightage and stuff. Mm. Yeah. Give me a little idea why you look at the, the building next door in terms of the PSF. 
mm. like the offices. How how how, how does mm. that translate to your mm. shop house strategy when you go in? Mm. Okay, so f- first I look at the shop house. What is the use for? Who is using it for? Like uh, rice grain trading. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that shop at uh, what's that? Right. Uh, Ayuraja, right? There's a lot of area. It's like wow, all these shops down here, like yeah. sell bread. Yeah, like can survive it. Eh? Yeah. Okay, now I know. Now okay. I know. So when I evaluate, I ask myself if I were to put in two, three million dollar, whatsoever amount that you stipulate, right? Who can I rent this out to? Who is my competitor? Within that, if say TFC, mm, thank you, thank you. Right, yeah. you want yeah. a you want a space three hundred square feet space. Where would you rent to? If I can rent you my shop house, would you take it? How much budget would you have? Would you go to a building just nearby? Is location very important to you? Uh, and all this formulate to our investment process. How do I look at it? And what kind of rent? Prices. So, of course, the convenient way is to look at your competitor just around you. So, the building opposite. But if the building opposite you is a grade A office and you are a shop house, then is that a fair comparison? Maybe yes, maybe not. Then we will look into how big is this office space? It's a 20,000 square feet. Ah, then the tenant who goes to occupy 20,000 is not my target market. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But for the location, we talk about land value. It should not be far away off. It's at the same location, mm. one street away. So in terms of land value, I will look at what's nearby. In terms of my tenant, I will also look nearby. If not, I will ask myself, this tenant got how much budget? If let's say he's happy with a good office in Lavender, he can pay $3,000. But I give him a shop house space, good enough for him to operate his business. And I tell him it's $3,000 also. But he's much nearer to the CBD. He's much nearer to his target market. Would he want? Yes, he would. Then that makes sense for me. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So a lot of it has to do with your target audience profiling. Yes. Yeah. So target market profiling, who's my end user? Who ultimately am I building it for? Mm. So uh, to us, because we are a long-term holding company, We hold our assets for long term. So uh, for that, we will look into who our tenants, uh, what kind of tenants do we want to target. We build a certain product to be able to target for them. Yeah. Mm. That differs from a trading kind of mentality. Yeah, yeah. I'm sensing that because... um you don't talk about land value, mm. you know. So I, I sense that in your matrix, right? Mm. Because you're probably expecting land value to be resilient and mm. that is not your game. Mm. So when you go in, mm. it's about upfront capital. Three million, we're going to refurbish this place. How much cash flow I can generate? So you're yes. more concerned on that part. It's a very yes. businessy way of doing things. Yes. So we look at this as a business. So we are here in the long term. We are here for active management. Uh, and we are not here just to do a one-time gain, 
right? So um, different companies operate different ways, but for us, uh, it's a long-term vision. So we also host assets like shopping malls. We also have commercial offices and not just shop houses. It's just over the last seven, eight years, I've been particularly interested in shop house uh, because of the extraction of value. Yeah. And rarity, lah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it, really. Yeah, I mean, in Singapore, there's only so much that is capital as conservation, and hence, if you want more, you can't have just like your GCB. And some people would then compare it to the likes of wine and arts and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But to me, is can I replicate this? If I can't replicate, can I make better out of it? And can I increase my demand market share? Because in the past, the end user may not consider shop houses because there is no proper space for them to operate their businesses. So back to the story about leaking roof and stuff. Yeah, it's very iconic for shop houses. Yes. Always got this kind of problem. <laughs> yeah. So most of the shop house and tenant that I interview, they say, I love the shop house. I love the architecture. I love the facade. But I don't love the maintenance because the <laughs> landlord asked me to maintain myself, right? Mm, 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 mm. So, truth be told, shop house has a lot of maintenance. So, if you are just a passive owner, you would just want to pass everything to your tenant. But if you are active, and then you will look at, oh, if I were to do up a nicer space, can I extract a better value? Can I rent instead of $4, can I get $6? How much more do I need to pump in? If this, can I recover my cost within two years or, 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 or you know, what say you, like maybe one year or two years, yeah. Mm. Okay, so um, give me a better idea, right? Mm. So three million in, let's say, the budget to, to cap capitalize this whole old building, this mm. old shop house, three million dollars, mm. then you can raise your PSF in that sense, right? Because you're profiling a client for a certain use mm. and you're comparing it with the next door office. So mm. if they charge 6.5, at least you can do somewhere like 4.5 to 5 yes. PSF, something like that. Yes. So at what price, at what percentage you will you enter a project like that? What is your average that you're comfortable with? Is it 20% year on year? So that five years you kept back or, or you know, like, just give me a ballpark so I, I get a general understanding of like, what mm. is the strategy like? To us, when we when we first purchase a shop house, if it's a rundown, so I, I, I take back the example of mm. a rundown shop house, you know that there's no income. Uh, for hypothetical, say it's a $5 million shop house. Right, you need to put in capex of three million dollars. Uh, then, good space office space is trading at seven dollars per square feet. I give a discount. I say you know at six dollar or at five dollars can I rent it out? So at five dollars, then I will do my my whole assumption. Five dollars over twelve years is sixty dollars over. Uh, entire cost of the property. So the cost of property is $8 million. So cost me $1,000 per square feet. Now you don't get that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but back in the days, you put in everything, it costs you $1,200. Mm -hmm. You can get $6. You are probably about 6 to 7% coming 
Chao Yu. Mm. Okay, yeah. that's good. Yes. Sounds like pretty good you. Yeah. yeah. So then we ask ourselves at 6 to 7%, would people appreciate us and give us 4% later on, in say four years later, five years later, or 10 years later, would there be a kind of capital appreciation or cap compression kind of game? Mm. Right? So um, if there is, then you should hold it for long term and then wait for the capital compression. At the same time, you just continue doing the rental escalation, rental control as an enhancement, tenancy, maintenance and stuff. Yeah. What is capital compression? Capital compression means that today, say I get 6% kind of U, mm. interest rate is say at 2%, mm. right? What happened is I put a risk factor of 4%. Right? Mm. To be able to get 6%. But the development is done up already. The tenant is all in place. There's a stable tenant. Property is back in much pristine condition. Then the buyer would then think that I don't have much risk. I only have tenancy risk. So instead of a 4% risk factor that you put on, you put on 1% or 2%, my cost of capital whatsoever then they are willing to pay the shop house for 4%. You are able to sell this property at 4%. Today, you are holding it for 6%. You have a capital compression of 2%. And then after that, you translate to the capital gain. Mm. So, so correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. If the property value is at $10 million, mm. right? So the yield is at 6%. Mm. And today's interest rate is at 2%, mm. right? So the risk factor is 4%. If mm. someone comes in to buy it, mm. they are willing to pay you a 4% premium on top mm. of your $10 million. Mm. So that will be $10,400,000 mm. in that sense. Is, is that kind of what I'm getting? Or are we talking about like the whole year? No. So for simplicity, say $10 million of property, you get 6% you is 6, uh, $600,000. Right? So your rental income is 600000 mm. A new buyer, today, I am buyer. I'm a, I'm a buyer. Mm. I don't know how to build a shop house. I don't know how to do asset <laughs> enhancement. I'm a celebrity from Hong Kong, right? I just yeah. want to buy something. <laughs> wow, this shop house wow, already do up nicely. Mm. Already have a good tenant. And 600000 per year, right? I want to buy this. Then I ask myself, what kind of you do I want? I look at the interest rate is 2%. I hope to make a, another 2 more percent, it's 4%. So then you use 600,000 divided by 4%. Then that would translate to uh, 600,000 divided by 4% is 15 million, right? Mm. So he's willing to pay 15 million on this property, mm. on the income generated. Mm. So to me, that cap compression of 6 to 4 have already earned me a capital appreciation of $5 million. Nice. Yeah, so basically using risk towards different people, different profile of risk. And then after that, you have a good capital compression, uh, a yield compression. Lah. And mm. then after that, you get your capital gain. Yeah, essentially yeah. the buyer is factoring the advanced capital, the cash flow that they can get yes. right, into the property price that they're willing to pay. Yes. Right, so if you can engineer a higher yield, yeah. you can raise the whole property price. Yes. That's the base idea, right? Yes. Okay, so is, is that only in commercial properties or can that be replicated in other spaces? Um, or is it shop house specific? 
Mm, it's more on the in the commercial spaces, in the office spaces. Uh, people tend to look at what's the underlying rental uh, collection that you get. What kind of you do you get in terms of the whole investment cost and stuff? But when you talk about residential, I think that's a, a totally different mm. mentality than and push factor and uh, 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 you know other factors, location, whether uh, near school or not near school. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. And the buyer profile is different, right? Yes. So I don't see that in the residential um, sector. People buy from emotions, right? Uh, but in our space, we can't buy something out of just emotion. <laughs> because we're, we're so cheap. Yeah, we're <laughs> investors. We're going to make money, right? <laughs> yeah. okay. So, I, I mean, yes, you must have a certain gut feel what you can do you can you must vision how you are going to change this asset how you're going to put in good tenants into the asset uh, and then stabilize the whole cash flow mm. right but residential is about um, your hierarchy needs right mm. yeah mm. you want it or you need it and stuff it's like you know achievement yeah so it's a different kind of a uh, uh, I guess good, good. different I like decision material. Yes, yeah. I like the clarity. Coconuts, if you're someone who wants to learn how to pick stocks to make passive income, this is for you. The fifth person has created a dividend investing program that teaches you how to invest for income while avoiding the companies that will go bankrupt. Thousands of people have already taken their program and are getting between 8 to 12% each year. They've just opened up a whole new intake and if you sign up through us, you'll be getting access to our members back end too, which is focused on the very thing you're interested in, investing. Learn more at thefinancialcoconut.com slash dividend. That's thefinancialcoconut.com slash dividend. Link is in the description below. Then you mentioned about location, right? Just mm, now, mm. because you were talking about residential. I think you mentioned before you are moving out from CBD shop houses to, mm. to out of CBD, but it's still nearby. Mm. But why, why the shift? Mm. Okay. No good deal in town. <laughs> There are, uh, but you see, sometimes when you want to find opportunity, you also tend to open up a certain market. Yeah. So when we were doing the shop house spaces, uh, other players would then see, oh, this is what it can be done. Actually, it's not that difficult after all. Then you invite uh, people into the space. Mm. You never invite, but they just come and copy <laughs> it. <laughs> you never openly say, lie, 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 do this. Yeah. But I know what you mean. It's, yeah. it's, it's very common. Yes. Yeah, but it's a approval to what you, you, mm, you mm. believe, right? That's why people also come into the space. So so in the CBD, we, we will also see that for the, you know, for a good seven, eight years, there's so many other players coming into CBD because it's core. Yeah. It's central. Mm. You can't get a location out of that. So bidders tend to get more. You got more bidders and stuff. So yeah, if you ask me, uh, I think we've got quite a lot of good uh, competitors out there who also have the same vision as us. And the extraction of value uh, went much faster pace than we expected it to be. La. We mm. thought it might take 10 years or 15 years to rejuvenate. And back to the point, right? 
um, we also seen that after we did a number of shop houses, uh, the single owner, let's say the retiree, probably have some <laughs> other... Yeah. Uh, they hear from the neighbor, hey, like quite good, huh? Yeah, <laughs> or son, or oh, maybe you know. Uh, since our capital value is twenty, thirty thousand in the past, you know, mm. hey, we can do that, and then uh, you know, we might be able to sell twelve, thirty million, mm. yeah. And that sparks us to continue looking where is the next value extraction, mm. where has not been, uh, looked at, uh, is there other spaces where we can do some tender loving care? So we start looking out of the CBD. And we realised that actually, interestingly, out of the CBD, there are a lot of other players uh, like us where they started small and then and then start buying and start changing the whole... Yeah. Jalan Besa has quite a lot of interesting ideas. Um, Kandahar uh, at Arab Street, yeah. you know, over mm. the years has also changed. Arab Street has been a lot more developed now. Yes. Yeah, with the old, with the old, what's it, duo building next, yes. next to it. Yes, yes, so, yeah. yeah. So talking about, if you look at competition, so you look at duo, you know that, hey, I've got so many people going to stay in this vicinity. If I can turn this shop house into a trendy shop house with a good concept below, I can also target people who stays around there or who works around there who needs to eat uh, mm. and play. So uh, Arab Street is a good area of rejuvenation that they, they have done. Mm. Yeah. So, so that makes shop houses um, mm. a very mixed play, right? Mm. And based on what, what I'm hearing, it's mm. not just offices anymore, mm. right? It's like, oh, now downstairs, we got to look at retail or we mm. got to look at like F&B. You know, it becomes a bit of like commercial, you mm. know, like like that kind of storefront kind of stuff. Does that change the, the pricing? Does that change the game? How does that play into the mix? Mm. So back to just now where I share, we envision what kind of traits is good for that space. And as when we are leasing out, we, we realise that initially we might have thought that this is a full commercial offices, but we realised that if first floor, there's frontage, the extraction of value would probably be better for a F&B operator or a cafe. They want the frontage and, uh, uh, you know, if they want to do delivery, the person can just stop at the shop front and then they can just deliver food over there. So different mix as you go along, you realise that, okay, first of all, maybe it shouldn't be just office. Mm -hmm. The better value is renting to a restaurant. Mm -hmm. So an office space for discussion sake, let's say you price in $5 to $6, you think an end user would pay you 5 to $6. But a restaurant is different. They need the turn and stuff like that. They can pay you $8 or $9. Mm. So then they are the better fit on the first floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you get more you out of it. Like. You get more you, but mm. also I would have to say there's no free lunch out there, mm, mm, right? Mm. If you want to charge him 8 to $9, there must be a reason. Mm. And what is the reason? A F&B restaurant operator come in, they want a power higher. Oh, yeah. They Expensive. want 100M. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, office is only 60M. Mm. So I have to upgrade the power. Yeah. I have to put in capex again. Yeah. They want exhaust. My exhaust mm. got to run all the way to rooftop. Yeah, very expensive. 
So you can only charge higher because it you provide the space and that M&E provision or whatsoever inside this space are uh, different and to be catered into the different mix. Yeah. Nice, that's cool. Are, are you seeing more interesting use of shop houses these days? Yes. Okay, so I can share with you that there was one particular shop house that we bought uh, in the east side. When we first bought the shop house, we asked ourselves, what kind of trade is best on the first floor? Again, that, that process I've shared. We put in restaurant and operator. But on the second floor, can we put in offices? Or what is the best use? And we asked ourselves, what kind of trade would want to be in the east side? Not, <laughs> not, not near to the bank, not, uh, you know? Uh, not at Changi Beast Park. You yeah. know, like. What kind of demand would we get? <laughs> mm. But in the east side, people are all about residential, about living space. Mm. So we ask ourselves, then can we do upstairs as a live and play? So you live upstairs, you play, mm. you have your restaurant downstairs. So we started our research on okay, residential, what is the gap and stuff. Then we went in for the second floor. Uh, we decided to, could we then do uh, living spaces, right? Uh, and then we, com we, we, we transform upstairs to a living spaces and one that is affordable to the end user. So in today's context, which a lot of people would have known, it's called the co-living concept. Mm, yeah, it's a thing now. Yes. yes. So we went in, we re-renovate the entire space. And then after that, we got in tenants. Yeah. But subsequently, we realized this is a operation game. Mm, operator mm. kind of game. Yes, you must be an operator to really make money in this space. Yes. Hmm? So as an operator... Uh, if I've, I only got 10 rooms or 16 rooms, I don't have the economy or scale to put in big advertising or mm. to capture market. Mm. So end up after we spend our capex, we decide to work with an operator. Mm. Yeah. And there are only a few of them here. They're the mm. bigger ones here. Oh, that's cool, that's cool. Interestingly, there are a lot of other uh, smaller, smaller operators. They uh -huh. have unique concepts. Yeah, mm -hmm. I just met one uh, particularly interested in shop house. Okay, yeah. what, what is the uniqueness of the concept? Just kind of give us some... How to envision the future use of shop houses. Mm. So, they are a very interesting player. Uh, they also see what we see. They, 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 their vision is that shop house is a legacy asset. It can withstand time and it's a long time asset. And they are so beautiful in terms of architectural. We destroyed so many. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and yes. now it's now it's a uh, now cannot even build. <laughs> yeah. You know what? The, the URA will give us the old picture mm -hmm. and expect us to try to transform it back to the old time. Really? Yes, yes. Mm. So for the conservation. So what he wanted to do is to transform living spaces in the shop house, let the younger people be able to um, live in a shop house and live in a like kampong kind of uh, mm. spirit, mm. right? Uh, first floor is, is one user, second floor is one user, third floor is one user and then for the ground floor is a communal space. 
Yeah. So I, I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs in, in that field coming out with different concepts. And I love it when people tell me they, they want to do a certain concept in shop houses. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. But, you know, when you talk about um, shop house as a legacy mm. asset, right? Mm. Um, I'm sure, like, architects and engineers will not sign a 99-year mm. <laughs> kind of building and over, mm. right? So, so that, does that play into the depreciation value mm. of uh, of the infrastructure integrity mm. of the shop houses? Because now it's, mm. like, all so sexy and, like, wow, shop house can do, you know? But, mm. you know, does that you know, um, mm. play into to that consideration. Okay, so most of the shop house, a big majority of the shop house are actually freehold in value. Uh, so URA and the conservation department also understand that these are long-time assets. Long, long time already. Yes, <laughs> is the structural integrity good enough? So they expect the owner every five years to actually engage a structural engineer to come in to check the integrity, provide a report, and if the report has any findings, the owner is supposed to rectify the findings and submit back to URA. Mm. So this helps to, to support the structural integrity. Nice. So what I say is legacy asset because you can't replicate, it's not easily replicate. Anything that's not easily replicate uh, has limited supply. Mm, yeah. It's beauty. Yes. Yeah. So it can withstand the, the, the test of time, right? But the building itself, you constantly needs to asset enhance. Else, back to my older generation <laughs> owner, you just sit there. But uh-huh. then, uh, maybe your neighbor who has put in capex and able to generate $6, your building... $2, nobody wants to mm, mm. come and rent it for you, right? Yeah, interesting. So going back to the, the operator, right? mm. you, you mentioned only operators are coming in to do the co-living space. Mm. But let's say if I'm a retail investor, right? mm. so I cannot rent the shop house to rent it out again. Uh. Like, would, that, would that be uh. possible? Like? Okay. Uh, that means the lease-to-lease concept? Yeah. Like uh. in the commercial, in the shop house space? Yeah. Mm. Okay. I think that's very popular in the, com- in the residential space, right? Lease-to-lease. Yes. Right. Okay. So, of course, I think that uh, demand out there, I mean, even in the residential market, mm. you lease a three-bedroom and or then you, you sublease yeah. it out. Or you lease a whole bungalow and cut it up, right? I think that's yes. the, that's the interesting, interesting concept there. Yes. yes. So, I feel there is... It's just what is the story and who are the target market. Mm. Because what is stopping a landlord after seeing that you have done up everything to say two years later, I don't lease to you, I take oh, yeah. back the unit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen Kopitiam, mm, right? Mm, 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 mm. Uh, that particular store, fishball noodles selling very well. The owner <laughs> doesn't want to renew his lease. And then after that, take another Malaysian put there and then start selling. Do the selling. same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So for retail, for individual, in an asset-like model, you head to a landlord, get the cheapest rental value that you can, re-renovate the space. You must have a value add proposition inside, right? And then after that, you sublease out to individual and then you collect that differential. The only thing that one needs to understand is how sticky is your end user to yeah. you. Mm. If they are not sticky to you, 
then what's stopping the landlord to come in into this space and do it better than you? Because mm. their differential would be much more. Mm. So yeah. that single factor of between owning that shop house and mm. renting that shop house will make the difference in the in the results. Uh, because mm. you can rent it by let's say what like what you said, mm. you spend all the capex, mm. but in the end it goes back to the owner. Mm. Then there's no security over there. Mm. Yeah, so so it depends on the operator or whoever who wants to come in to operate, right? Let's say for simplicity sake, you say you want a botanical, you, you want to transform this place <laughs> to a to a botanic vibes, ah? No, nature retreat. That means Bali, every room Bali. is a ba- Bali. okay Balinese style, <laughs> right? So you need to you the landlord is only mm-hmm. going to give you four pieces of wall, you know the walls yeah, and yeah. the ceiling and the space. Yeah. For you to transform your vision, you need to put in something. Then, mm. because you know that you have an end user that is going to lease from you. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who love this. Mm. Mm. My so question. better make sure there are a lot of Balinese people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they love the vibes. Yeah. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Essentially, yeah. um, that risk factor is not as big in a residential, you know, rent-to-rent structure mm. compared to a commercial space because mm. there's just so much more that you got to put in. Mm. And... Uh, people are relatively less sticky in the in this structure. Easier for the landlord to just take back. Yeah. Just mm. like just like co-working office, right? Mm, mm. Essentially what they do is they go to a landlord, uh, say, you know, you do not need to worry this one whole floor floor plate. I list it out from you. They would have calculated that maybe this owner, their interest cost whatsoever to break even as a landlord Say it's four dollars. He rents from you for fifty, and then after that he went to fit out the entire space. So my question then is: Yes, an operator can do that, but they have to bring more value to the property, else it's not sustainable in the long run. Going back to you moving mm. out mm. from the CBD to the to the non CBD areas, right? Yes. Like earlier, you mentioned you know you will check some mm. house in mm. their condition and mm. then refurbish mm. so is the playbook you know the, the matrix that you look out for mm. out of the CBD area mm. the same as what you were doing in the CBD or there are mm. certain differences over there mm. uh, underlying factors will still be the same uh, there won't be much difference uh, we will still look at uh, if that particular shop house say in Jalan Besar area you know what is the price? What is the land value? Is there the building cost up there? If there's no building cost, then uh, how much I need to put in? What is the rent that I can extract out from there? So the matrix and the whole process, investment process, is still the same. Maybe it's easier to start finding value out of the core where there's a number of players right now yeah. to just go for hunt on other value extraction mm. out of the CBD. So the, out of CBD, you, you, there are a lot of interesting concepts that you can do, mm. right? Uh, tenants in the CBD and tenants in the in Jalambasa area are different. Yeah, and uh, I went to Sai Awi. Oh, the tenants there are also very different. Mm. So it's a different target market and Ultimately, I will ask myself, what kind of story can I bring about in this street, this neighborhood? Can I open up demand to other people who are willing to come here if I put in the effort? 
So yeah, so your question uh, on is it the same factors to consider an investment is the same exact factors. Yeah, nice. but the target markets are different. Yeah. Actually, I want to ask you, uh, yes. what's the most expensive you know, learning lesson that you have when you are investing in shop houses? In the initial years, right? Um, when you have not a lot of comparable value. Because what you are... <laughs> because you are the, the first one. Right? You, pioneer. You pioneer. Pioneer and <laughs> not, not comparable because you are trying to... What, essentially, what you're doing is to increase the target market. I get what to you're bring doing. in new players, yeah. right? These new players will not have looked at the shop house, mm. right? But why do you want to bring in new players? Because you want to increase the pie share. So when I do an assumption, when I buy, I assume that I can do this, I can do that. But I need the new target market to buy in my vision. I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah. It's the same idea as... There's a row of shop house in the middle of Serangoon that mm. nobody is there. Mm. And then someone comes in and opens one cafe. The next person opens another cafe. And yes. the whole street becomes a cafe street. But no cafe initially yes. wanted to so come into this place. So playing the risk on the very first front, right? Trying yes. to stage the area. Yes. Mm. So, so that huge lesson is that when you really want to come up with a marketing plan or you know you want to transform it you want to bring in new players it's tough and you have to door knock you have to approach different people such that that first cafe would tell you mm. okay if you give me this price I will come I in I join you yes mm, mm, mm. so one of the most challenging thing was that numbers are numbers on the paper but if I can't deliver the numbers yeah. I can't fulfill that dream that I wanted to do. Yeah. So the most difficult lesson I learned is that you must be prepared. There's a lot of no. Whatever that you think <laughs> it makes sense, there's still a lot of no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, thanks for taking time to tune in. I hope you've learned a little bit more about property investing today. If you feel like you've benefited from this podcast, do share this with your loved ones. And also, do follow us on all our socials and join our community telegram group and tell us what you're interested to know about next. Everything is in the description below. Have a great day ahead, guys. And always remember, when we are better prepared, the next opportunity is just around the corner. See you next week. I feel like the episodes are getting juicier. You hear a lot of wisdom in this real estate series that you wouldn't ever hear elsewhere. But especially in the past three episodes where these investors have accumulatively spent decades honing their real estate investing skills, we're talking about managing hundreds of millions, if not maybe even billions of dollars worth of assets combined. Maybe you are at a stage whereby you want to invest in commercial properties or just invest in properties in general and you want to learn more. What Jacqueline has shared with us today will definitely help you out. Doing research is always tedious, but what can increase your chances of a profitable investment in any properties is knowing what to look out for. Demand supply is a strong factor, will always be, no doubt. But underlying that demand supply are other pillars to look out for as well. If you need inspiration, listen to this episode again because I'm sure when you listen between the lines, if you need inspiration on investing in properties and what to look out for, listen to this podcast again.
when you start to listen between the lines, I'm sure some of what Jacqueline has shared about doing research on shop houses can be applied even to residential properties. So with that said, it was an eye-opening or ears-opening episode talking about properties in Singapore today. I hope you learned something new and I'll see you next week.